It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, Braves are getting it done despite the contributions of a couple of their stars they were counting on. The rookies for the Braves have been outstanding thus far, and we'll take a look at the Falcons' all, or sorry, defensive line rankings according to Pro Football Focus. We'll talk about all that next. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com. Find our page there. Put it in your search browser, Locked On Sports Atlanta. When you find it, subscribe to our channel. Of course, leave us a comment if you would, please. You can find us free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. And follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Well, the Braves continue to roll and... Look, the good times are going to continue. They have one more with the Washington Nationals, then they'll get a day off, and then they'll play the Cubs, who are really bad as well. This could be another perfect week for the Atlanta Braves. Now, despite all of the goodwill that the Braves have, have built up and how well they're playing, they've actually been able to do this without real kind of contributions from a couple of guys, I think, going into the season that you would have counted on, and that's Marcelo Zuna and Matt Olson. Now, not saying that those guys haven't given them something, but what if I told you at the start of the season, these would be the projections for these two guys? Because this is what they're on pace for right now. Ozuna's on pace to be 232 with 75 runs scored, 31 homers, and 67 RBI. Matt Olson is on pace to hit 249, 67 runs scored, 21 homers and 80 RBI. If I told you before the start of the season that that's what those guys would pace at, would you have been happy or satisfied with either one of those? Might have liked Ozuna's home run numbers. But again, we talked about this before with Ozuna. You know, look at his years in St. Louis. He had good home run numbers. You know, he was a high 20s guy, considering that he missed 30, 35 games a year. Didn't drive in a ton of runs. Didn't hit for a lot of average. So, you know, he kind of profiles that way. Olsen's the one a little bit more surprising, but in the totality of things right now for the Atlanta Braves, yeah, Olsen's done some good things, you know, with doubles and all that and the other, but his defense has not been outstanding this year the way that we thought it would be. And certainly you thought that there'd be more power than being on pace for 21 homers this year. So despite the fact that those two guys haven't given them or don't project to give them as much, that tells you about the depth of the lineup and how good overall this offense is. And think about last night, you know, again, whacking home runs all over the park and Contreras isn't playing again. And we talked about this yesterday or last week on the show about first world problems that the Braves have. They have so many guys right now. And, and it's all keyed and all starts with the top of that order with Ronnie and Dansby hitting the way that they are. And look, you know, you could make a case that Dansby is maybe the MVP of this team so far this year, that if you if you were trying to figure out who's the MVP, you might have a discussion for both Dansby and Ronnie 
and they're both sitting right there at the top of the order. So, you know, as we said yesterday on the show is you're going to have to live life without Ozzy Albies, but the depth of this lineup, look at what Arcia did last night. You know, I mean, Arcia is a guy who, by the way, in limited duty this year, Arcia is a guy in, in 52 at bats. He's got two homers, 10 RBI and hitting 327. Project that over a 400 at bat season and tell me what that comes out to be. So, Look, the Braves' depth of their lineup is outstanding, and it's one of the things that's going to carry them for such a long time. And even when you aren't getting contributions from everybody all at once, you have enough guys. And if main thing is, if you can keep those two guys at the top of the order hitting, if you can continue to get Ronnie and Dansby on base with their stolen base ability, with their speed on the base pass, you're going to create all kinds of havoc for other teams, and you're creating all kinds of havoc for defenses, pitching staffs, things like that. You know, those guys have 20 steals combined, which, again, I know in baseball terms, you know, old-school baseball terms, that's not a big number, but that's a pretty good number for a couple of guys at the top of your order. You know, if you told me that the top two guys in my order would be 40 to 50 steals, you'd take that all day long, right? Because that puts a lot more guys in scoring position and puts them in a better position to be able to score a lot more runs at the top of the order. So even despite the fact that Ozuna's not having an outstanding year, Olsen's really not having a year that we probably expected for him. Forget the doubles and all that kind of, with all due respect, Matt Olson wasn't brought here to hit a whole bunch of doubles. Matt Olson was brought here to hit for a bunch of home runs, drive in a bunch of runs, score a bunch of runs. That's that's what Olsen, you know, was was brought here for. Now, again, look, it may turn around and Matt Olson may be a 30 homer, 100 RBI guy like we expected him to be, but 63 games into this season, it's been a little bit underwhelming. The, the big thing for me about Olsen has been his defense. You know, he didn't really help out Max Fried in that game last night, and there's been multiples of times where his defense is sort of, eh, not been what we thought, not not gold glove caliber defense out there. But when you have as many guys as the Braves have, and we talked about, you know, even when you're not playing Contreras or Ozuna sits a day or this guy sits a day, Duvall sits for a day. And we're going to talk about the rookies coming up here in the next segment. But when you look at the depth of this lineup, that's what's going to carry this team. They've had good pitching all season long. Max Fried didn't get a lot of help last night, but gutted his way through it. Six strikeouts, one walk last night in the game. Kyle Wright's been outstanding. Ian Anderson has been sort of up and down, but he's been all right. Um, you know, Morton has had his struggles, but, you know, he's figured some things out. They've gotten enough starting pitching. And their bullpen, yeah, they, their bullpen has had a hiccup, you know, here and there. Hell, that's every bullpen in baseball. Uh, there, there are very few bullpens in baseball that are perfect over 162-game season. You're going to have hiccups. Oh, look, look at Corbin Burns. You know, he went 40 consecutive innings without giving up a run. Then he was giving up multiple home runs, you know, to, uh, uh, what was it, the Dodgers or something like that, 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 you know, were whacking them all around. So stuff happens. Even the best guys in the best bullpens in baseball are going to get whacked around. But by and large, their pitching and their relief, their starting pitching and relief pitching has been there and been pretty consistent. It's now the depth of this lineup. And you're seeing they've hit all these home runs. You know, you think about how many home runs that they've hit this month in the month of June. You think about they've gone multiple games in a row now with back-to-back home runs. They've got power up and down the order. There's literally not a spot now that Michael Harris has decided to jump into the mix of, you know, hitting balls out of the ballpark. 
there's literally not a spot in your order that doesn't have power. And that's baseball today, right? Baseball today is I need a bunch of guys who can hit home runs and a bunch of guys that's going to end up striking out. That's unfortunately the way most guys profile in Major League Baseball. There are very few Michael Tuves in the world of baseball, or, or I should say Jose Altuves in the world of baseball today that are high average guys that don't strike out a ton. Guys profile as high strikeout guys. Even Dansby's, you know, hitting for a good average, getting on base, good power, but he's going to strike out 160, 170 times. So considering the fact that Olsen and Ozuna really aren't on track to give you the kinds of seasons that you thought they were, it speaks to the depth of this lineup and how good this team has been up and down the order. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk about the Braves rookies because they've gotten some outstanding contributions from a few guys. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head over to YouTube.com. Put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser. Find our page there and, of course, subscribe to it. As we always ask you, we are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, or your favorites. When you get there, leave us a five-star review. And, of course, you can follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. We were talking about the fact that Matt Olson and Marcelo Zuna, in some ways, aren't having the kinds of years that we expected out of them. But one of the things that has been the real bright spot of this team have been the contributions of Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, and Michael Harris. Now, uh, Kyle Wright is still a rookie in terms of baseball experience. He's never had more than 50 innings uh, in a season. So you look at the contributions of, of Kyle Wright, 7-3 and three this year, 257 ERA, 12 games uh, that he started, 73 innings pitched with 80 strikeouts thus far, almost 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Strider, of course, two and two on the season, 57 strikeouts and 38 in a third innings. And Michael Harris, I mean, how about these numbers? In only 63 at-bats, six doubles, a triple, two homers, nine RBI, hitting in the number nine spot with a couple of stolen bases, 317 with a 540 slugging and an 878 OPS. Now, you know, what's funny is we came into the season thinking that the Braves were such an established roster, right? They had pretty much brought, you know, again, no Freddie, I understand, but you went and got Matt Olson, who's not a rookie or anything. You went and got arguably the next best option that you could get at first base. So you thought that, okay, this is a pretty veteran-laden team. We're running everybody back, and we're going to be in good shape. But I don't think we saw these kinds of contributions coming from as many of the young guys as what we had. You could throw William Contreras into that mix as well. And I know he's been up and down a little bit with this team and trying to figure out, and they didn't know what position to play him and this, that, and the other. So when you throw him into the mix, think about how much contribution – guys that we would not have expected at the start of the year to provide this club. So, you know, as we talked about in the last segment, while, you know, maybe Olsen and Ozuna aren't on the kind of pace years that we thought that they would be, the fact that you're getting so many contributions from a strider who's only, what, a couple of years into his major league, you know, career. I mean, he was just drafted a couple of years ago. Kyle Wright's been a guy that we've been waiting and wondering about, okay, when's he going to get on track? Well, now it's starting to come together this year. Obviously, Michael Harris has been their number one prospect, but when you think about the fact that didn't spend a single day in AAA, just how poised he is up here at the major league level. 
It doesn't look like the moment's too big. It doesn't look like the lights are too bright. It doesn't look like he's a guy who's phased by anything. And obviously defensively, besides his offensive numbers, defensively how good he's been. And then the job Contreras has done, both as being the second catcher and providing a big bat in their lineup. I mean, nine homers in what, just over 100 uh, at-bats for Contreras. 101, sorry, 89 at-bats, 101 plate appearances, but 89 at-bats, he's got nine home runs in that time. So it's kind of funny the way baseball works is just when you think you have figured things figured out, right? Or how about let's use the Roddy Piper line. Just when you have the answers, I change the questions, right? And that's the thing about this Braves team is you can get away with Olsen and Ozuna, maybe not having the kind of years that you thought because you've gotten so many contributions from other people. You can get away with Charlie Morton kind of getting banged up, beat up around and kind of slow to get back into his form and this, that, and the other coming off the injury in the world series. And then, you know, not having extended spring, uh, spring training. So you get a Kyle Wright that emerges. Okay. You're looking for another fifth starter or you need a guy out of the bullpen. Here comes Spencer Strider and his hundred plus mile an hour stuff just out of nowhere. So it is pretty amazing to think that for a team that we thought, think about, okay, we're set at first, set at second, set at short, set at third, right? Our infield set and ready to go. Darno is back. They signed him up. Charlie Morton's back. Got a couple of years on him. All right, Duvall is coming back. Ozuna's going to be here. Ronnie's going to be here, okay? We got all these guys that we thought, okay, we're, we're pretty much set. There's really no room for anybody to come in and maybe make a big breakthrough. And then here comes Michael Harris and Strider and Kyle Wright and the job that and Contreras and the job that all of those guys have done. It is amazing because let's be honest. I mean, they need every bit of all of these guys and what they have done this year. Contreras has won Michael Harris's defense alone has helped you to out there. Strider's been really effective. Kyle Wright has been outstanding. I mean, if Max Fried hadn't been having the year that he's had this year where his strikeout to walk and ERA and everything has been so good. Kyle Wright may be looked at as the best pitcher that the Braves have this year. And he's certainly trying to make a case for that. I mean, he's tied the, the team lead in wins along uh, with Max Freed and even has a little bit better ERA than Max does. But crazy to think that this team found these guys to contribute. And that's the mark of a good organization. And, and obviously a, a team that is flexible enough to say, okay, Let's find some guys, and and we talked about this way at the very beginning of the of the season. Is this is still a good time to get an evaluation on your young guys, even though this team mode, and they're probably not in line to want to play many rookies or play many young guys because we're ready to win the World Series now. Won it last year, defending champs. We're going to come in and we're going to be again another World Series contender this year. You don't normally get into playing a lot of young guys and things like that. But because of injuries and different things that have happened and necessity, right? Necessity is the mother of invention. Because of some necessary things, it's forced these guys in and they've done an outstanding job. So we talk about the veteran leadership and the depth of the lineup and running it back and all the guys that were coming back, right? You thought that, okay, the top three of our rotation, Freed, Anderson, Morton. That's, you know, one of the top 
top threes in, in baseball. May not be number one, but certainly one of the better top threes in Major League Baseball at starter. And we'll just kind of figure in, you know, who's going to be fourth, fifth, this, that, and the other. Maybe Soroka will be back or this, that, and the other. And then along comes Kyle Wright, and he has the outstanding season that he has. And you're thinking, okay, what can we do at the bullpen? Matzik's hurt. Luke Jackson's out. This Here comes Strider, and he fills in a role like that. Well, we need help in center field. We can't play Adam Duvall every single day. Oh, our number one prospect? And you don't normally see that for a team to, I don't want to say rush, but jump a number one prospect in your organization so quickly when you have been so successful, right? I mean, if you're if you're a bad organization, that's normally when you start to jump your top prospects and get them up to the major league level. If you're not going to win, you might as well not win with your best young guys and things like that. And Alex Anthopoulos has even talked about this, that because of being in win-now mode, maybe some of those guys, the Christian Pache's, the Drew Waters, at times those guys didn't get some of the chances that they probably would have, say, three or four years ago had they had come up earlier in the organization and things like that. Had Pache been the number one prospect, say, four or five years ago when they were still kind of in rebuild mode, those guys probably would have played a lot more. But because of being in win-now mode, you don't normally see these guys come up like this, but their rookies have been outstanding, and their young guys, including Contreras, have been outstanding. And it's one of the big reasons why this team has figured things out and been able to turn it around. All right, when we get back, we will talk about the Falcons' ranking for their defensive line in pro football focus. Yeah, not good. Hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Reminding you, head over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to our page there. Put that in your search browser, Locked on Sports Atlanta. When you find us, subscribe and leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can download us on Spotify, Odyssey, all your favorites. Leave us a five-star review. And, of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. So we've been going through Pro Football Focus's different unit rankings and looking at where the Falcons are ranked at coming into this season. Today we look at the defensive line. So the elite uh, group, well, we know the Falcons aren't there, but the Rams, Commanders, Packers, Steelers, Buccaneers, and 49ers all are in the elite group. Well, I hate to tell you, by the way, we play the Rams, Commanders, the Steelers, and twice with the Buccaneers. So of the top six teams, we'll play them five times over the course of the year. So tier two, strong with a weak point or two, eh, Chargers, Saints, we play them. Eagles, Titans, Colts, Vikings, all right, not there, obviously. How about solid all-around defensive fronts, tier three? Eh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Miami, the Jets, Broncos, eh, okay, we're not there. How about a great edge duo with a weak interior? Are we there? That's tier four. Eh, Raiders, Browns, Cowboys, all right. Uh, relying on younger players to make a leap. Giants, Patriots, Panthers, Chiefs, Lions. Okay, we're not there. How about tier six? Finally, question marks at multiple positions. Starting at number 27 with Arizona. Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Chicago. Oh, coming in at number 32, dead last in Pro Football Focus's defensive line rankings are the Atlanta Falcons. Quote, the Falcons had the unenviable distinction of having the only defensive line in the league to grade below 50 as a unit in 2022. By the way, they were a 48.4 
grade last year. Atlanta took some steps to make things better this offseason by bringing in Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Libicati, but relying on a second-round rookie and a fifth-year edge rusher who's never earned a pro football-focused pass grade above 62 as the top options still isn't a spot you want to be in as a defense. They'll be leaning heavily on Grady Jarrett to keep this from being one of the worst units in the league again next season. Now, I talked about yesterday or last week or whatever it was at this point, I get all my days mixed up about the offensive line has to make the biggest jump you know, year over year. They, they have to make a big jump forward. But part of that is just they have talent on the offense line. Jake Matthews is a competent guard. Chris Lindstrom's an outstanding – or competent tackle, excuse me. Chris Lindstrom's an outstanding guard. They have guys you can build around. And if they can find a mix and match and get a little bit better, they don't have to be elite, but they've got to be better. I, I They have to be better to be able to dictate what our offense wants to be. But why did I not say the defensive line has – because the defensive line has been so bad that they can't go anywhere but up. There's literally nowhere to go in being worse, and it's not possible to be worse, so the Falcons are going to be better. I mean, last year when you're running out Stephen Means, who played and started in 14 games, and he ended up with the same amount of sacks – that yours truly, Joe Bag of Donuts, Mama Luke John, sitting here in Roswell on a podcast, on a camera. I had no sacks last year. So I tied with him and I didn't play it down. So they have no room to go but upward. It would be impossible to think that Lorenzo Carter would go an entire season and have no sacks. It would be impossible for me to believe that Arnold Ebicati could be less productive in his rookie year than Dante Fowler was last year. So I expect them to go forward. Now, as I've said many times, I don't know that we have our defensive line fixed, but I know we're better. I know we have more talent, and I know we have guys that I can count on. Look, this, the question is still, who's going to partner up with Grady Jarrett on the interior of the offense, uh, defensive line? Marlon Davidson and some of these guys, okay. I mean, you know, Taquan Graham, who, you know, I don't know what to expect out of any of those guys, but I know I have one guy. Now, look, defensive line, by the way, is a position that you move guys all around and right. You don't just offensive line, it's five guys every play. You don't sub guys in and out. Barring injury or massive fatigue, you don't rotate guys in and out of your offensive line. You want the same five guys there all the time. Defensive line, you're moving guys in and out. And I think with Malone and Ebicady and Lorenzo Carter and Michael Walker and this guy and that guy, I'm not telling you again that they have this thing solved. They still need another good draft of defensive ends. And maybe one of these days we'll go out and spend money and not spend money, but we'll spend high draft capital on a big time pass rusher. Because all the best pass rush, I mean, the tops, we, we explained this a, a couple of months back, the top six contracts for defensive players in the N NFL are all first-round pass rushers. It's Bosa, Mack, Garrett, TJ Watt, all the, the, the top six contracts for defensive players in total value are all first-round sack guys. So you, you have to spend some draft capital there. But... I don't think the Falcons, I don't, even if they tried, they couldn't be as bad. And I've said, I think Ebicady could come in and challenge for the rookie record. 
even if Lorenzo Carter can pick you up four, five, six sacks, that's four, five, six sacks more than what Stephen Means gave you. And then mix in Michael Walker or this guy or that guy or whatever. D'Angelo Malone picks up three to five sacks or what have you out there. You know, they at least went in and added some talent and they at least spent some draft capital and they brought in a couple of guys that they're going to give a chance to compete. So do I expect the Falcons defensive line to be better? Yeah. I mean, they can't be worse, right? I mean, it's the Jalen Mayfield concept who, by the way, was beat up with questions yesterday. Jalen Mayfield was definitely, you know, had the bullseye on him about why his rookie year was so bad. But again, when you're the worst at what you do, you have nowhere to go but up, right? So the Falcons are far and away the least productive defensive line in the NFL, not just pro football focus grade. They were 11 sacks less than anybody else in the NFL. So I expect them to get better. Are they going to be great? Are they going to be one that, no, you know, can they be in the mid, mid to late twenties? I hope, you know, if you told me the Falcons were the 25th best defensive line in the league. Okay. That means they probably had about a dozen more sacks and could stop the run a little bit. They could at least have a couple of guys who emerge off of something like that. So while I do believe that the offensive line has to have the biggest leap because they have to, that's what's going to get your offensive identity on track. There's nowhere to go, but up for the defensive line. And I'm excited to see what the young guys do. This is a chance for the young guys to say, Hey guys, go out there, win this job and go out there and make a name for yourself. D'Angelo Malone, you want a bunch of playing time? Show us that you should be on this defensive line going after the quarterback. Pin your ears back and go make some plays, and you'll find plenty of spots. So I'm not surprised where the Falcons ended up you know, in the defensive line rankings, but I can promise you it can't get worse, and I truly believe that. I promise you that it can't get worse if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan at looking on our defensive line. Again, if you have two guys that have at least a couple of sacks, that's more than we even got out of two total guys at times last year. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Thanks for making us your first listen. Don't forget, make your second listen, ATL Day Ones with my friends Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste. They speak to the heart of the city of Atlanta, talking all things Atlanta sports and beyond with you. They are free and available on both our YouTube page and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download that today. Leave us a comment. Leave us a five-star review. Follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We will be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 